So, we are Joe and Becky. Uh, sometimes I get it mixed up in the wrong way around. Um, and we have um, been part of this church for quite a while. Um, I became a Christian when I was at university, so I was about 20 years old. Joe grew up in a Christian home, always went to church. I didn't know what that was. He did. Um, and I won't go into the boring details of how I became a Christian. You'll have to come on to Alpha to hear all about that. Um, but uh, we, I came to the church as soon as I became Christian. I started coming here and um, around about the same time as Neil and Kate did and some other people um, that are still here. It's amazing that we're all still here after all this time. Um, a few years later, Joe came along and we, along with some other people, started leading a house group. And, uh, and ever since then, we've led house group or alpha or one or the other, or sometimes together because we've done alpha in house group. Um, but we love leading house groups and we love leading alpha. So sometimes we like to mesh the two of them together. Um, we eventually got married. And <laughs> that's another long story that you'll have to come to alpha to hear all about. Um, and when we started a family, Joe's uh, company moved us to Houston, Texas, which was a huge wrench because this here in the church was the only home I'd ever known. I grew up in the army. We didn't have a home. We just had suitcases and boxes that we moved around from place to place. And here in this church, I found parents, grandparents, siblings, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, I just, it was just the best thing that ever happened to me coming here. Um, and so moving was a huge wrench, but we found all that again eventually in Houston. And then God brought us back home again after 10 years. And by that time, we had, I was going to say 10 kids. Um, <laughs> feels like it sometimes. Uh, we have four, four daughters. And, um, and Joe got involved in leading Alpha again when we were here. I was too busy juggling all the 10 kids. And uh, uh, so we're really, really excited to be doing it together again. And Joe's going to tell you what Alpha is. So it's, it's interesting because I do actually see a couple of people here, um, Brian and also Sarah, who were on probably the first Alpha course that we were involved in. Um, back in the day. Um, oh, yeah, is there another one? So, um, interesting, how many people here have actually done the Alpha course? Just raise a hand if you have. Okay, pretty, pretty good contingent. But that, that first Alpha course that we were involved in was quite funny because it, it was held in a, the, the venue we did it in was a nursery school. Um, so all the chairs were about half the size of these blue <laughs> chairs here. So you basically had a choice. You, you, could, you could sit on your left cheek or on your right cheek. You couldn't really do both, or you got the chair cutting in, and you basically shifted from one to the other. It was extraordinarily uncomfortable, but we seemed to enjoy it. When one it. side got numb, you switched over. <laughs> and uh, we got landed in it pretty quickly, because I think it was week two that the guy that was running it, who, who was, um, I guess, on staff here at the time, called Andrew Wallace, um, he told us that he was moving down to Bristol to plant the Bristol vineyard, and by the way, we were taking over. Um, so I guess we were landed in the deep end then, but we absolutely loved it, and yeah, we've, we've done it numerous times. If we had more time, we'd get Brian up and, and Sarah up, but with both of us talking, the chance of us having enough time was we decided that wasn't, wasn't doable. But talk to them, talk to the other people that have done the course. 
Really, our aim this morning is to give you a feel for what Alpha is, um, what the course is about. And for probably quite a few people in the room, it would be a great course for you to do, um, to sign up for. Um, for the people who you've done it already, or it's not what you're wanting to do at this point in time, um, then there's probably people you know, I'm sure there are people you know, who would really benefit from the course and enjoy it. So I'd like you to be thinking about who you know that you, invite, that you might invite to come on the course. We say it starts next Sunday, and so sign-up's going to be, needs, needs to be done pretty quickly. But what is Alpha, for those who don't know? It's, it's a course that lasts, uh, lasts roughly 10 weeks, uh, which goes through a series of questions about the basics of the Christian faith. Um, it's a phenomenon that's gone worldwide. It actually started in a church um, called Holy Trinity Brompton. I know one or two people in the, here that, that have been to HDB at some point which is a church in, um, up next to the Victorian Albert Museum in, in nearest tube stop, South Kensington. And it was, a, it was actually a He's quite not plugging a it, by the way. Church. He's not saying go. <laughs> um, I'm sure they're a lot cooler than we are here. But, um, so, yeah, go if you want. It's a great church. There's, um, so it's, it started off, actually, as, a, as an introductory course to try and assimilate new people that were coming into the church that were actually already Christians or, would, you know, call themselves Christian, so it was a sort of introductory discipleship course. Um, and Becky, you did one of those, didn't you, when you first came to the church here? Yeah, so when, when I joined, um, I was a brand new Christian. In fact, it was amazing. This course called the Christian Foundation course started that very week, and it was brilliant because it basically does what it says on the tin. It was all the foundation stones of the Christian faith um, right there, you know, presented to you and and I learned it all straight away. And so my foundations happened, you know, as soon as I made a decision to follow Jesus, I was then, I found out all about him. And on what I was, what I just signed up, what I just signed my life away to do, basically. Uh, so it was brilliant, um, but Alpha's better. But what they soon discovered was that, was that um, it was actually quite appealing to people that had no faith and had, were maybe moving towards the church. or got friends that come to church that wanted to find out more. So it's quite interesting as a course because it's not really a course for people that aren't, wouldn't call themselves Christians or people that aren't. It's, it's for both. It's for anybody and everybody that's got questions about the Christian faith. People that already call themselves Christians find it very helpful for solidifying their faith and thinking through, wrestling through, and tackling, going deeper on some, some things that they maybe haven't thought about. People that maybe are nominally Christian might tick Christian on a box, on a, on a demographics form, but probably couldn't couldn't say that they're certainly not a born-again Christian or whatever um, people might call it, that, that just are intrigued and want to find out more. Um, it's good for them too. And Kate was saying earlier to us today, she, she and Neil want this to be a church that doesn't have walls. There's, not, there's no barriers to people coming towards the church, um, people coming into the church. It's, it's, you know, whatever you think, wherever you're from, whatever your background is, come, 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 find out more, find out who Jesus is, find out what he wants to do. So I think there's a little slide up here, which um, even though it started as a little course that was running just for the new people that are coming towards HTB, um, in, in the early 90s, it kind of went wildfire and it went global. So in 1990, I was, I was reading about the history of it, um, HTB ran four alpha courses that year. By 1995, there were 2,500 Alpha courses running around the UK. Um, and now it runs in over 100 different countries. Um, I'm not sure the exact count right now. 
Two and a half million people in the UK have done the Alpha course. Over 20 million people worldwide have done it. So it's become a real, you know, quite a phenomenon, um, and uh, which is why they've had the opportunity to kind of upgrade the presentation of it from, you know, basic sermon-like talks that the vicar would give in church to this kind of film series type presentation. And the way we're going to do it is we're going to meet in the, um, the sixth form center, which is really comfy space down the end of one of these corridors here. Um, same ch time as church is running. And we'll start with uh, bacon butties. No bacon butties if you're not on the course, okay? <laughs> Just because the smell drifts through, you can't come and get one. Um, and, uh, and then we'll use the film series videos that last about 20 minutes each week to, for them to present some material. Um, and then we'll have some time of discussion where people come and can ask any questions that they like. I think I've got a slide, uh, next slide, which shows the structure of the course, the kind of questions that are, that are addressed on the film series and the materials. There's a little book that goes along with it. People can follow along and, and write stuff, write notes in the book. Um, but it's really for, once that's done and we get into discussion, we'll lead off talking about some of the things that have been presented. Um, but it's a time when people can bring any questions. If you go to the next slide, they've done this one of these word cloud maps from uh, the questions that people have, have posted over the years and, and have, have raised. And they're questions that you might expect, you know, the kind of things that if, if you've got a brain and you're interested and you've thought about God and who he is and what he does you'll have thought about, and lots of people have thought about and wrestled with, maybe, things about, um, you know, why, why is there so much suffering in the world? If there's a loving, good God, how, how come there's so much rubbish happening? How come the world seems to be in a state and people are in a state? How, how, does, that, how does that happen? Um, and then there's more surprising questions. The one I like up there, you see the word dinosaurs? I actually did a geology degree. Um, and I did paleontology as part of that. So I know my Triassic from my Jurassic, and it's quite interesting that a lot of people um, come, that come towards Christianity, they, they might be thinking initially, you can't actually keep your brain intact and believe this stuff, because like, science, evolution, hasn't that totally disproved it? You know, it's centuries old. We you know, learned that there's actually answers to some of these things. Well, there are answers to some of the questions, but science doesn't answer fundamental questions about why we're here and does God exist. It's improvable. <laughs> um, there's elements of faith involved in, in believing and, and following Jesus. Um, so, that, so there's those kind of questions. I think the most surprising question you've ever had was, what about aliens? I thought, what about aliens? I'd never even thought that the possibility of the aliens had some connection to God, but I suppose it does. I know Becky, when she tells a story about how she became a Christian... Um, she talks about how she used to lie on the ground uh, outside looking up at the stars with her brother wondering, you know, what's out there. So I guess there is a, a, an obvious connection to it. Um, but really, any question is good. The, the thing about questions is that, yeah, people might, everyone in the street, you start talking about these things, they might come up with, you know, little conundrums and questions about, you know, Jesus feeding the 4,000 and the 5,000 authenticity of the Bible, all this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, you can get into debating that stuff if you want. Um, some of it's interesting and relevant. But actually, the important thing is that all of us have got questions that matter to us because something personal. This stuff is not just theoretical. This matters because we have lives. This matters because my granny died. What's that about? I prayed and she wasn't healed. 
this, this is about pain. This is about, I know someone that's been trying for a baby and they keep mis miscarrying. And what's that about? And I've just got pregnant and I didn't want to. What's that about? You know, that's why, that's why these questions are important is because they're real. They're things that we're dealing with and tackling in our lives. What's uh, the next slide? Oh, yeah. So Alpha includes food, a short talk about the Christian faith, an opportunity to share your thoughts, what they are. There's no pressure, there's no follow-up, and there's no charge. So if people come week one, think, yeah, not for me, they don't have to come back week two, they're not going to get chased down, and they're not going to be asked for money at any point. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a course that has become very successful, I think partly because it's packaged in a way that's very natural, very accessible to people. You don't have to be like getting up on a Sunday morning and singing How Great Thou Art, you know, which isn't what most people do, right? <laughs> Some of this thing, stuff about God is packaged in quite old-fashioned language because the Bible was written thousands of years ago. Um, but it's, it's presented in a very accessible way. We can come, we can talk normally, we can ask questions. Uh, we don't guarantee we'll answer all the questions, by the way. <laughs> uh, there are some answers that we might together wrestle with and step our way towards, um, but um, we'll have fun doing it. I think, too, it's been successful because it's a good balance between the theoretical and the experiential. It's not just, here's that we're going through a bunch of material. We get an opportunity to discover how God moves in our lives through his Holy Spirit. Okay, to you, Becky. Um, if you got pregnant, I would have some questions. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah. there, there are some early signs. <laughs> I, I say I put on about a stone with every baby we had, and we've had 10, right? We've had 10. Yeah, 10. Definitely. Um, so yesterday, we took our eldest daughter, Mickey, to university. Yeah, I know I don't look old enough to have a kid that old. Um, but it happens to us all. Um, we got her settled in her room down in Exeter, and um, we hopefully left her with enough food to last for a few days. Um, she's sharing with some boys. There's some boys in her flat, so I said, put all your food in your room. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave it where they can find it. Um, if you want to know what she's studying, she's studying English, drama, and Spanish, because she can't make a decision for toffee. Uh, she has... She just can't make up her mind, so she wanted to do it all, so she's doing it all. Um, Careful, she's probably going to listen to this later. She can't make up her mind. Um, <laughs> but that's okay, I did combined honours, I couldn't make up my mind either. Um, so if you're in that life position of uh, taking your child to university, then, or in that phase of life, or have been in that phase of life, then you'll know that daunting feeling that comes over you of abandonment, emptiness, and all that fear that just descends on you when you leave them there. Um, there's this terrible feeling that you've left your precious baby, child, alone in a prison full of strangers where anything can happen and you are not there to protect them. You're not there to do their laundry, cook their food, and make sure they've done their homework. Thank goodness. <laughs> but on the other hand, we've got faith that she's going to be okay. We trust that she's going to grow and develop, learn to read eventually, learn to enjoy English literature, 
rather than pull the wool over her eyes that she's done. All the teachers have no idea that she, you know, she just doesn't read the books. Um, neither did the examiners know that she hadn't read the books. Um, and uh, we hope that um, she'll find a, a nice guy that will take her out for pizza when she's run out of money, really. You know, all the usual stuff that you worry about when you leave your kid at university. Um, but I'm not actually worried about Mickey. I'm worried about everybody else that she has to share with because they have to put up with her. She's listening to this, isn't she? Yeah. Um, you know, when you, you take your kid to nursery school or you, you, they start secondary school um, or they leave home, you, uh, you worry about them getting mixed up with the wrong crowd. You, uh, you, you just worry about who they're going to meet and what those people are going to be like. And so I wasn't a Christian when I went to university, like I, I mentioned. My parents um, didn't have any faith, especially in me. Um, but I'm sure they did worry about the people that I would meet at university and that I would get mixed up with the wrong crowd. I pretty much left that at home and came to London to go to university to escape the wrong crowd, really. But that's another story. You have to come to Alpha to find out. Um, and little did any of us know at the time that I would meet all the born-again Christians, become a Christian, and end up coming to this church. And we were all worried that I was going to join the wrong crowd. But honestly, we do have faith, and she's going to have a great time, and um, she's going to go on to even greater things than these. And I think this is all part of her finding out her purpose for her life, as well as us finding out our purpose for our lives. Um, but having faith is really, really hard. There really isn't much to hold on to. It's like trying to catch water, and you cup your hands trying to hold the water. Yeah, brilliant. And the water just runs through, especially if there's any gap between the fingers. You can't hold on to water. And having faith can often feel like that. There's not a lot to hold on to. But having faith in God and trusting God with our lives can feel equally as fruitless as trying to hold on to water. There doesn't often seem to be much to hold on to. And sometimes it can put us off trying. But that's the very thing that takes me back to Alpha every time. I want it, I mean, it's not really that I want other people to get anything out of it. I go back for me. I go back because I want to find out more. I want to go deeper. And Alpha, I think, gives us the tools to hold on to faith. So a couple of weeks ago, Mickey and I were sitting having a cup of tea before she left home, and um, I told her that we'd be speaking this morning, and, um, and what we'd be speaking about, and um, or she asked, really, what we'd be speaking about, and I said, we're going to talk about Alpha, and she went, oh, okay, all right, okay, do you know what you're going to say? I went, no. Um, so she got out her phone, and she got out the notes app, and she sat there all, you know, so what does Alpha make you think? What do you like about Alpha? And I thought, you know, I could answer it for me. Very flippant answer, which is what my stock answer is always a very flippant answer. And, um, and I thought, no, she's being really serious. She's really trying to help. Mickey's a very serious person. If you know Mickey, very, very serious. She's listening to this tape. She's very serious. Um, and I thought, you know, what I love about Alpha is Jesus. 
It's all about Jesus. We talk about him. We discover more about him. It's all about what he did, why he did it, why he continues to do it through us. And Jesus is the difference, and he takes me back to Alpha every time. And I just discover something new about him every time I do it. And what I like, really like about Jesus, is that he wasn't bothered about anything. And so much of our lives, we're concerned with what other people think and what we're doing with our lives. Are we doing the right thing? Are we in the right job? Are we pursuing the right things in our lives? But he didn't let anyone dictate to him how he should behave or what he should do. And even the Pharisees didn't bother him or affect him. Are there any Catherine Tate fans in here? Yeah, I know, I know some of you are. And I just always imagine, you know, the Pharisees are there saying, you know, you're not the son of God. Look at that rabble that are following you, that little motley crew of people and all these weird people you're having dinner with, you know, all these tax collectors and sinners. And I just imagine Jesus going, am I bothered? No, Jesus wasn't bothered about anything. He had his own mode of being. He would challenge people. He would call them to leave what they were doing and follow him. He talked with them. He didn't force them. He healed them. He listened to them. And he fed them. And whenever anybody pushed him, like, you should do this, you should do that, you should go here, he always said, my time has not yet come. He knew what he was about. He had a single-minded purpose for his life, and he was completely focused on it. And he wasn't affected by what anybody else told him to do. And his goal, his purpose, was to die on the cross for us. He knew that was where he was heading, a particular time and place that he needed to get to Jerusalem, he needed to get there, and this is what he was all about. This is where he was going. And I admire him so much for that focus of his mind and that attention to his purpose. I don't know about you, but I struggle with my purpose. I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. There are so many things that I do, that I want to do, and that I feel really muddled in life sometimes. But Jesus helps me focus on the things that I know I need to really focus on. And Alpha helps me, brings me back to that focus every single time. Brings me back to that single-minded purpose for my life. Alpha communicates Jesus' purpose to people. And that's what my purpose is, to communicate Jesus to people. We were made to have relationship with God an open, honest, and real relationship with God. And Jesus came so that we could have that relationship. His purpose was to restore the relationship that we had with God in the beginning that was lost because of sin, basically. And if you think about this on my hand here, just imagine yourself or me or anyone, all of us, on this hand, we have this open relationship with God. He can see us, we can see him, we're in the light, everything is open. And then sin comes, our brokenness comes, our mistakes come. All the things that have gone wrong in life, grief, 
burdens, everything comes and stops us from having that relationship with God, that open relationship with God. We're still there, and he's still here. It's like when you get on an airplane and you, you take off and it's all cloudy on the runway and it's raining, you know, and you go up through the clouds and it's beautiful and sunny up and you think, well, oh, it's a really nice day up here. I feel sorry for them down there. It's just like that. God's still there. We just don't see him because we're covered in this cloud of brokenness and sin. And Jesus, meanwhile, has this completely open relationship with God. He's completely sinless. He's completely whole. He has no burdens like we do. And Isaiah talked about this centuries before Jesus was born. He talked about Jesus and what he was going to do. And I want to read to you the message version because I really, really love um, the message. Um, So Isaiah, in chapter 53, verse 4 and 6, said, The fact is, It was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment that made us whole, and through his bruises we get healed. We all, like sheep, have wandered off and got lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all our sin, everything we've done wrong, on him. On him. So that we can have this open relationship with God again. I want to know what kind of person's purpose in life is to do that to take our sin on him. Whoever that person is, well, we know it's Jesus. I want to know him. I want to know all about him. You know, Jesus, by the world's standards, was mixed up with the wrong crowd. But by doing this, he made us all right. And that's why I love Jesus, because I meet with him every day. And all this sin, all this brokenness, all this stuff that I continue to do, I can give to him. And he can take it off me so that I can have this wonderful relationship with God every single day. So why are we running the Alpha course at this time? It's partly because um, we sense that there's something going on. I mean, you could call it prophetic, or you could just call it simple observation. There's quite a lot of new people coming towards the church at the moment. There's people here this morning for whom it's their first time here, and that seems to be happening every week um, at the moment. There's people that are coming towards the church through some of the ministries, for example, the things that we run out of the yard, the job club, the food bank, etc. So there are people coming towards us as a church, and we want to make sure we're accommodating to them, that we can have space for them, that they can come in, and they may not, um, you know, may not necessarily be. Well, it's going to be helpful for them to go on a class where they can get some of the the basics, some of the foundations before they actually end up in the church here. Um, 
Becky had a, a passage from Isaiah. Um, I've also got a passage I'd like to mention from Jeremiah, which is another of these Old Testament prophets. And the way it works in the Bible sometimes is we know it's, it's good stuff and it's there for all time and there's truth in there. But what sometimes happens is, as I read it, as you read it, is that you've, you feel it's almost like there's an invisible highlighter that highlights certain verses where you feel like, yes, that's for me, for here, for now. And you sense God speaking to you. That's his Holy Spirit at work. And I sense that this passage relates to some of the things he's doing with us as a church at the moment. Um, I'll just read it out and then I'll explain. This is what the Lord says. See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labor. A great throng will return. They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble. And then I jump a couple of verses. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord. The grain, the new wine, and the olive oil, the young of the flocks and herds, they will be like a well-watered garden, and they will sorrow no more. Then young women will dance and be glad, young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. Now, when we read the Bible, there's layers upon layers of stuff in, in this, and I don't have un- time to unpack it hugely. But what God was speaking of here, I'm sure, has applied to different peoples at different times. But I think he's speaking to us now. He's drawing towards us people that have been alienated, that feel displaced, displaced maybe foreigners, maybe immigrants. As Becky said, we've lived abroad, um, and it's really weird when people call you an alien, literally, in the country where we were in, and you're treated as a different class. As you know, there's lots of people from other countries uh, that come to London for various reasons. Um, and and God, is, God is drawing them. Um, talks about the blind and the lame. There's people that are disadvantaged. Either they've got sickness and health issues or socially societal needs. They somehow feel like outcasts. People that are poor, that are finding it hard to fend for themselves. Uh, There's people with a lot on their plates, struggling with life in different life stages, different family situations. But I believe that God's bringing people towards us in significant numbers. It says here, a great throng will return. And uh, Alpha, I think, is one of the ways in which we can have, a, have the doors open to receive the people that he's drawing. They will come with weeping, it says. There's people who are sad, um, who are praying. They've been calling out in desperation to God. You know, whatever religion people are from, whatever religion or none, the majority of people pray to God <laughs> at some point, particularly in a time of crisis. Most people say, Something like, God, if you're there, help, because I'm at the end of my own tether here. I don't know what to do. And he hears those calls. Um, and you, I think you'd probably be surprised that there's people that you probably, um, you probably interface with that actually think more about God and Jesus and what it all means than you might expect from what they talk about in their average conversation down the pub or, or you know, in the school playground, wherever it is you meet them. There's people that are thirsty and struggling. And what will happen as they come and as God draws them um, to himself, 
They will shout for joy. They will rejoice. Why? Because they will hear the good news that God's for them, that he wants to lavish on them the riches of his goodness, his love. It's all about love, really. Um, His extraordinary love that knows no bounds, which freely offers forgiveness, forgiveness to us, to anyone who's willing to admit their faults and put their lives in his hands. They will see miraculous provision, both material and spiritual. They'll we'll see souls set free, burdens lifted off. This is what God is doing at this time. You see, wherever we're from, wherever we've been, whatever we've done, God wants to, wants to make each of us part of his story. It's a story that's been unfolding since before the dawn of time. For every one of us, the Bible tells us that he conceived of us not only before our parents did, but even before he created the world. None of us are mistakes. Even if we were a surprise to our parents, we weren't a surprise to God. He created us each uniquely, with unique attributes, unique purpose for his pleasure and his glory, but with a plan for our lives. And even though we as a human race and as individuals have made spectacular messes of this world and sometimes hurt each other as well as ourselves, disregarded God's plans for our lives, he put in place a rescue plan to put things right and draw us back to him. And that's, as Becky's explained, where Jesus comes into the picture. And we talk and explain more and discuss on the Alpha Course why Jesus had to die on the cross and rise again, what it looks like for us to realign our lives to him, to follow him, to get to know him better, how to read our Bibles effectively, how to tell others about him, how to be guided by him, how to be part of a church community, how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why we will have good reason to dance and be glad. His love for us is beyond all that we can really grasp or imagine. So um, Paul, when in the New Testament, when he wrote to one of the young churches, he said there are, there's neither male or female, um, slave nor free, Jew nor Gentile. Um, and what he meant was everyone can come to Jesus. Jesus is for everyone. What he did on the cross when he, did, he took our sins, that was for anyone, whether you are male or female, whether you are, or maybe androgynous, I mean, you know, whether you are um, lost, whether you have grown up in the church or not grown up in the church, whether you um, have just sort of lost your way somewhere, whether you have experienced grief and it's caused you to have questions about, you know, why do people get hurt? Why does this happen? And, and grief can often cause us to just take a step back and, and have a bit of a wobble in, in our faith and just not understand. Whether you just have questions and you've never really come to grips with, with what we're doing, whether somebody's brought you here and you've thought this is a really, really lovely place and everybody's really, really nice and the coffee's great and the donuts are great, but everyone just seems to know something that I don't know. It doesn't matter who you are or whether you know somebody who's in that position. Jesus is for you. And Alpha, therefore, is for you. Okay, so the invitation is to everyone from us, from... Neil and Kate from Come Along, um, set aside a little bit of time to explore these big questions of life. Uh, it's Really, it's two hours across 10 weeks, so it's, it's less than 24 hours of time 
Apparently, we spend, most people spend on average that in a given week looking at a screen. Um, so the stats tell us. Um, so everyone's welcome. And I think there might be 20 or 30 people that are here this morning for whom Alpha would be a good thing for you. But I realize that there's probably a couple of hundred people here. And for a lot of you, you've done Alpha before, or that's, it's not the stage of life that you're in to attend at this point. Um, so we'd like to challenge you. I think on roughly every other seat, um, and you'll have seen them, there's these little cards uh, which say, pray for five friends and invite them to Alpha. I challenge you to, to take this away, fight with your neighbor if you're not sitting on one yourself, um, and write down the names of five people. Uh, writing things down is, is often very helpful because we, we're great at forgetting things we intend to do. Um, there might be, the number doesn't matter exactly. I mean, there might be some people here who, uh, who get carried away and write more than five names. It might be just two or three people that, that are brought to mind. But let me recommend how to pray. First of all, be praying that God's working in their lives, working in their hearts to draw them to himself, to open them to hear what he has for them. And then secondly, pray for opportunities, clear opportunities to be able to invite them. And thirdly, pray for yourself for boldness that when you see those opportunities, you'll see them and have the courage to invite them. It's kind of, it's, it's a relatively easy thing to invite people along to an alpha course. You're not, we're not saying try and explain everything about Jesus. No, just invite someone to come to a course that's going on. Um, it's not that hard. I hope you've got a flavor of it that you know that if you bring your friends, there's always a bit of risk, isn't there, when you invite someone? Like, if it goes badly, that could be it. You know, they might not talk to me again. I, again, I think you'd be surprised how many people are actually open to someone having a conversation about Jesus. Um, the statistics, apparently, the alpha people, you know, they, they do research on this kind of stuff. And apparently it's about 50% of people, if you ask them in the street, if you're invited to come to a basic course on, on Christianity, would you, would you come? And they say, yeah, probably would. Yeah. But most people are interested in this stuff. It's clearly important. Um, and, uh, and most people are willing at some point in their lives to have a think about this stuff because if it's true, it's, it's worth worth addressing so yeah be inviting people along in fact if you're thinking of coming and you're not a christian invite some people along to come with you find some other of your your mates that don't believe everything that becky and i've just been spouting up here and bring them too uh, it'll be much more fun the more the merrier <laughs>